0: Yeah. Oh, it's so good to see you. So glad that you're here today. Today, we are continuing our series we kicked off last week called Bridges, and we're talking about mending and rebuilding broken bridges, broken relationships. You know, everywhere we turn, there's broken relationships. There's broken relationships in the family, in business, in the neighborhood, uh, friendships that have been severed or damaged. And God wants us to be agents of reconciliation. And I want us to look this morning at what we can do to cross the bridge of forgiveness. Every one of us here today has a bridge of forgiveness to cross. In fact, when Jesus was asked about forgiveness, he actually said we're called to forgive 70 times 70 or 70 times 7, excuse me, 70 times 7. But what he was talking about was not 490 times. What he was saying was that we need to live a life of continual forgiveness. And you cannot be human and not have conflict with people. It's just part of the human condition. It's part of the world that we live in. But what we can do is develop a heart and an aptitude and a passion for reconciling broken relationships and forgiving people who have wronged us. I want us to see a powerful story today in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 32, uh, related to Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob and Esau are these two brothers. They're twin brothers, actually. And they have a long-standing conflict. In fact, the word Jacob actually means deceiver or supplanter. And the book of Genesis actually tells us that Jacob was born grabbing the heel of his brother Esau. Oh my goodness, what a foreshadowing of the relationship that is to unfold many years later. Jacob steals his brother's birthright and his blessing. And in the ancient world, the oldest brother, in this case Esau, would receive a double inheritance. And through tricking his father, Isaac, in in his very aged and senile state, uh, Jacob steals what rightfully belongs to Esau. Esau says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your life. Jacob runs off and he lives in a place called Padan Aram. And he lives there for 20 years, never sees his parents again, never sees his family, flees for his life. It's there that he meets his wife. And now, 20 years after this conflict had begun, he's going back home and he's going to meet Esau face to face. But you know what's beautiful is right before Jacob is going to meet Esau again, he has an encounter with God. He wrestles with that angel of the Lord we know as the pre-incarnate Christ. And it's in that encounter that Jacob really comes to understand who the Lord is in his life And he has a dependence on God. In fact, if you remember the story, the angel of the Lord throws his hip out of socket and Jacob walks with a limp the rest of his life, but he learns to lean on God. And when he learns to lean on God, the first thing he does is he goes and he works out this relationship with Esau. I want us to see this powerful story because Jacob is scared to death to go talk to Esau because Esau threatened his life. And Esau was the hunter. Esau Esau was like the the big brother that was like the fighter, the tough guy. Jacob was the brother that liked to clean around the house and cook with mom, right? And so Esau is the big brute, and Jacob is kind of not so much that, and he doesn't know what to do. But let's look at this powerful story. I want you to open your Bible to Genesis 32 and 33 as we look at crossing the bridge of forgiveness. Why do we need to cross the bridge of forgiveness? Well, listen, it's impossible to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God if anger is in your life. It's impossible to experience the joy of Jesus and even to be right with God if bitterness is in your life. We have a lot to gain by walking across the bridge of forgiveness. That's part of God's plan for us. God wants us to mend fences and repair damaged bridges between us and others. I saw in an outdoor magazine not too long ago a picture that I will never forget. It was two deer. They had locked horns. They were in like a huge battle. Except they couldn't get loose and they both died. And the picture showed those mammoth horns. Those big, huge, strong deer. And yet, they had locked horns and they could not get loose. And I couldn't help but think, how many people, how many lives have locked horns and cannot get loose? Today, I've got some good news for you today. By the power of God, God can allow you to forgive people who have wronged you. Even people that have done horrific and terrible things against you you can walk across the bridge of forgiveness. Let's see this powerful story today. Look with me again in Genesis chapter 32. After living 20 years in Padan Aram, Jacob is back home and he's ready to meet with Esau. You know, it's amazing how God will not let us off the hook. God's like, you got to get right. You got to get right with your brother. And it happens right after Esau, or excuse me, Jacob gets right with God. Isn't that incredible? When you get right with God, you want to get right with others. Amen? That's just kind of the the way it works, right? I mean, you get right with God, and then the Lord starts working in your life, and you're like, I need to get right with some other people. It's kind of the normal thing. Look at this right here. Genesis 32. We have to examine prayerfully. Okay? How are we going to reconcile these broken relationships? How are we going to walk across the bridge of forgiveness? We're first of all going to examine prayerfully. Now, check it out. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, verse 11 says, for I am afraid that he will come and attack me. I mean, he's like, Lord, please intervene because Esau is going to come and hunt me down if I don't have some divine intervention. So the beginning of this story starts with prayer. See, when you don't know what to do, when you're afraid, when you're scared, when you're uncertain, cry out to the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. Ask God to intervene and to help you out. God, I don't know what to say to this person that's upset me. I have no idea where to begin with that person I used to work with or that person that used to be in the family or that person that I used to know or whatever. I, I don't even know where to start, Lord. Start in prayer. He says right here, look at this. <laughs> Save me, I pray from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will continue to attack me. We had to pray for burned bridges to be re, uh, rebuilt. And Jacob turns to his divine resources. Now see, check it out. Prayer is the greatest resource that you have, but is oftentimes the least utilized. I mean, God has given you a great gift in the place of prayer to ask God to move and to work. So we need to call on the name of the Lord. We need to ask God for his help and his intervention when it comes to letting things go and to reconciling the brokenness in our relationships. Jacob knew that only God had access to his brother's heart, where a root of bitterness had been nurtured for 20 years. Man, that's a long time. And sometimes people say, well, that time heals wounds. But many of us in this room know that there's wounds that happened 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years ago that have not healed. And now all of a sudden he's, he's in this moment, 20 years. Can you imagine the conversations that Jacob must have had with Esau in his own mind. Or maybe even that Esau had with Jacob. Have you ever had a conversation with yourself? If you, Oh, if I could talk to them, this is what I would tell them. I would tell them this, and I would tell them that, and I would argue this. Have you ever done that before? Is that just me? I have some real good conversations with myself in the morning, in the bathroom mirror sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to let it go. How can we let it go? We gotta pray. We gotta let God work. God work in my heart. God work in the other party's heart. Amen? God bring us together. Okay? God do, it it looks impossible. Okay, God, this isn't gonna work out. Makes no sense. They're crazy. Maybe I'm crazy too. What are we gonna do? We need prayer. We need God. We need prayer. Jacob starts With prayer. And prayer is that great resource, isn't it? we got to ask God to give us insight in how to approach that situation. Lord, help me to see something I've never seen so I can do what I've never done before. Um, Prayer is used to uh, impact people the most. Uh, It's a huge part of the reconciliation process. And uh, I have a friend that uh, his wife left him a few years ago. And we started praying and praying and praying and praying. And guess what? The wife was saying, I'm never going back to him. I can't stand him. I can't wait to divorce him. He's crazy. You know, I can't stand this. I, want, I don't want to talk to anybody. All this. Okay. Well, the church starts praying. And before too long, my friend's wife comes back. She's like, hey, you know what? I messed this thing up. I want to get this thing right. My friend had already turned his heart, though, against the marriage and had already moved on. And the marriage was never reconciled because he gave up too soon. I realize there are divorces that happen. That does happen. But it should never happen because we give up before we've given God time to work. And sometimes it just takes a little while. I don't know about you, but when I pray about things, it takes a while. It's rare that I pray about something like one or two times and then shazam, it happens. For me, it's like a marathon prayer. Amen? Do we have any marathon prayers today in the house today? I'm on the slow track with God. But you know what? When God starts to work and to move, big things start to happen. Don't give up. If you're in a marriage that's conflicted, don't give up. Give God time to work. If some people in your family are driving you crazy, remember, remember, God can work. Don't give up too quick. Start praying. Commit yourself to prayer. So Esau, his heart gets softened. Jacob is praying. Jacob is the believer. Esau is not a believer. By the way. We should be the agents. I'm talking the church. I'm talking the believers. We should be the ones to initiate reconciliation with people because we're followers of Jesus. And God is the one who reconciled us to him in the first place. Amen. So the reason that we can walk across the bridge is because God's forgiven me. Right. I mean, God reached out to me in the person of Jesus and I walked across the bridge And now I'm walking across the bridge forgiving others because Christ has forgiven me. That's a picture of the gospel. That's a picture of of, of what God wants to do in our lives. So it starts with prayer. And then we also want to engage in restitution. And actually, i got two big words for you here today. Everybody say big words. Restitution and reconciliation. Woo! Come on now. Now, reconciliation is when two parties come back together And a relationship is reconciled. It does take two parties to reconcile a relationship. You can't make somebody reconcile with you. Now you can lead it. You can invite it. You can encourage it. You can bless it. It takes two though. Forgiveness, however, takes how many parties? That takes one. One person can walk across the bridge. Listen, even if you're not reconciled to a person, you can still forgive them and walk across the bridge. You can do it. So reconciliations, when two people come back together. And the other big word that I had here is restitution. And we see this in the life of Jacob in verse 13. Look at this, Genesis 32. He spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. Now, this is awesome. I mean, like Jacob is getting it, right? He's hearing from the Lord. I stole the birthright and the blessing. I'm going to give something back that I have stolen. I have taken something from my brother. I'm going to give something back to him. So what does he do? If you read the account, he sends 10 bulls, 20 she-asses. Everybody said amen. The she-asses are awesome. I mean, those, that'll get them every time, okay? Ten foals. And who knows? He may have... Seen, oh, 30 camels. I missed that. 30 camels. Yeah. I mean, he sends the entourage of livestock. Woo! It's awesome, isn't it? i want to make... Rest, listen, I damaged my brother. I want to get it right. I'm not going to... Talk is cheap, right? Talk is cheap. I want to bring... This gift to try to make it right. That's restitution. Restitution is I've taken something from you, I wanna make it right. Isn't that awesome? What is that? That shows sincerity, doesn't it? It shows legitimate repentance, it shows legitimate ownership, it shows God is working in my life, it shows humility. So, so many things. So, the stage is getting set. Esau and Jacob haven't met yet, he's just sent with the servant, the animals, and he's making restitution with Esau. And it's going to open the heart of Esau, which is which is an amazing thing. Um, God always wants us to be people that are seeking restitution and reconciliation the best that we can, the very best we can. And listen, if you have said something against somebody to some other people, part of your restitution may not be the she asses. It may be just literally going to somebody and saying, hey, I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. That was inappropriate. That was between me and them, and I shouldn't have brought you guys into it. Or if you've gossiped about somebody, go to that person and, or go to, go to the person you gossiped to. Hey, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have been involved in that. It was nothing to do with you. I should have talked to him. You know, that kind of thing. What does that show? That shows genuine, genuine openness, a genuine love. That, that's how relationships get reconciled when people start to, to make restitution and try to make things right. Okay. Um, If you've taken something that belongs to somebody, there may need to be financial restitution involved in that. I don't know what your situation is, but we should be open to that. Now, why does this matter so much? Matthew 5, 23, this is what Jesus said. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So he says, listen, even before you give the offering, And by the way, God loves offerings, okay? God says, before you bring the offering, go get it right. And he says, actually here, he has, if if a brother has something against you, he doesn't even say if you have something against the brother. You know, sometimes we think, well, that's their problem. You know, they have a problem with me, that's their problem. But Christian people are peacemakers, peace seekers. Everywhere we go, we should be making peace. 2 um, Corinthians calls us uh, agents of reconciliation, ambassadors of reconciliation. That, that's part of walking with Jesus, is that we bring peace. Christian people bring people together. They don't divide people. They, they, they bring peace. They bring peace. And so we got to be willing to do that. Restitution and reconciliation and it's a great thing. Look at that 2 Corinthians five eighteen verse. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to him by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So listen, if you've been redeemed in Christ, you have a ministry of reconciliation. And that means we're, we're bringing folks together. We're bringing people together. Um, some of us have... Uh, people in our families that need reconciliation, employers, co-workers, neighbors, family, friends, people at church, amen. Sometimes people at church get crossways, right? And sometimes we need to go and we need to say, man, listen, I care more about the unity of the church and I care more about what God's doing here than having all my petty ways. So we need to be agents of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians says, um, if you have to get a Christian counselor involved to help you, I think that's an awesome thing. Look at Genesis 32:17. He says he instructed the one in the lead when my brother Esau meets you and ask, to whom do you belong, and where are you going? and who owns all these animals in front of you, Then you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau, and he's coming behind us. So he sends the servant ahead with all the animals. And you could look at that and say, well, maybe he's just trying to kind of butter his brother up. Maybe he was, but I think there was a little deeper significance to that. Jacob realizes, I've been wrong, and I want to make it up. I want to make it right. I want to do what's right. In verse 20, um, the word atone or appease is used, which uh, is a great picture of our salvation. uh, The atonement of Christ, who appeased uh, the wrath of God. And we see the gospel story in in this story as well. Um, Jacob was willing to do more than just say sorry. He was willing to to prove it and to show it. And it begins to open the door. See, here's the thing. When we begin to act in this way, we begin to make restitution. We seek reconciliation. It opens the door for God to work. What it does. Sometimes we like, I'm waiting on God. I wonder how many times God is waiting on us, you know? Take that initiative. Take that that initiative. Um, Zacchaeus, in Luke chapter 19, this is what he understood. In Luke 19, 8, Zacchaeus followed Jesus, and he gave half of his possessions to the poor, and he says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything else, I'll pay him back four times. Zacchaeus was an extortionist. He was ripping everybody off with the taxes, and he met the Lord, and it's amazing, he met the Lord... But then he wanted to make it right with people. Isn't that beautiful? What I've stolen, I want to give back. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. woo, You know, that kind of thing. Well, yeah. What, what about your actions? What about your deeds? What, what have you done? And he, and, he, and he makes restitution. So he, he makes it right. And can you imagine the conversations that Zacchaeus had with people when he was giving the money back to them? I mean, that, that, would, that would have been amazing to hear. Like, what are you doing, Zacchaeus? Well, you know what? I met Jesus, and this is what happened. You met who? I mean, what, what are you talking about? It's incredible, isn't it? Um, we had a guy that wanted to join the launch team of our church a few years ago that was conflicted with his last church and with his last pastor, and when I met with him, he said, "Pastor, I want to. I'll come in. I'll, I'll help you run the kids ministry. I'll I'll bring my tithe." We literally had like two or three people in the church, and I was like, "Yes, we have somebody that wants to be in our team." I got so excited. I was like, "Bring it, come on!" And you tied too? That's even more amazing. Praise God! I was like, "Thank you, Lord." You know. Well, I started talking to him, and he was angry with his last church, and he had been crossways with his pastor. And I knew his pastor. Sometimes people come and say bad things about other pastors. To me, what they don't realize is that a lot of the pastors in town are actually friends, you know. So (laughs) it doesn't win people any favors. And I said to him, I said, you need to go back and you need to work this thing out with your pastor. And if you'll do that, then you can join our team. We'd love to have you. So he scheduled a meeting with the pastor. And when he went and met with the pastor, He blamed the pastor for everything, took no responsibility, didn't apologize for anything that he had done and wanted to still come onto our team. So I used one of the most uh, unusual methods of church growth ever. I told him that we didn't have a place for him on the team, even though we only had three people, (laughs) because I didn't want him to bring that spirit into our church as we were starting because he was still crossways with everybody else. Amen. You know, there's certain people that go to a different church every two or three years because they can't get along with anybody and they can't get under authority and under leadership. And God has a prescription and a plan for us here. If we will resolve the conflicts in our life, life will go so much better. right? I mean, we need to learn literally from the example of Jacob and Esau. This is incredible. We need to engage in reconciliation and restitution instead of leaving, you know, bits and pieces all over the place. We ought to do everything we can to be at peace, the New Testament says, with all people. Do everything we can. Do everything we can. I realize that may not always be possible, but we also ought to do everything that we can. And how, does, how do we do this? Well, if you look a little more at the story in Genesis 333, 3, Um, the encounter happens. Now Jacob is with Esau. And in verse 3, he says, he himself went ahead and bowed to the ground seven times after he approached his brother. So Jacob meets Esau, hadn't seen him in 20 years, and he bows down seven times. Why is that significant? Because Jacob is giving Esau the same greeting that he would give a king or a queen. In other words, as he's bowing down, he's esteeming his brother. He didn't go stick his finger in the chest. (laughs) I hadn't seen mom and dad. I hadn't been with my friends. I had to go live in Padana Ram with my father-in-law. Look what you did to me. You threatened my life. I hate your guts. What's wrong with you? You know, all that kind of stuff. He bows down to the ground. There's humility. Jacob owns his part of the equation and what he's done. Isn't that beautiful? You know what? When there is humility that's involved in reconciliation and forgiveness, guess what happens? Boy, whew, it's fertile soil. It's like fertilizer with the Holy Spirit. God just takes that and begins to use it, and, and Esau receives it, and it's awesome. And even after 20 years of bitterness, man, it's, it's gone. He takes personal responsibility without attacking the other person. That is a great recipe for us today. That's a great recipe. Jacob never said anything to put Esau on the defensive. He approached Esau respectfully and humbly. Well, how do we do this? We also have to expect great results. I mean, we need to expect great results. I mean, can you imagine how... How much of a weight would be lifted off of your life if you didn't feel so much awkwardness and tension with that one person? I mean, your life would be better, right? You, you would have less stress in your life. Everything. I mean, a lot of things would be better. Life in general would be so much better. You're not carrying around that weight all the time. We ought to expect positive results. Look at verse four. But Esau ran and met Jacob and embraced him and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they wept. Wow. Just a few chapters before it was, I'm going to kill him. You know? See, this is not just time heals all wounds. This is the power of God intervening and working. That's what we need. We need God's work and God's influence in our lives And these two are reconciled together. I mean, it's an incredible story. It really is. Uh, What a relief that this was. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, okay, Ryan, that's cool that Esau and Jacob got back together and worked it all out. You don't know. You don't know my family. You don't know my friends. You don't know the people I work with. (laughs) And I get it. I do get it because sometimes crossing this bridge is very difficult. It really is. There's a lot of crazy people out there. We wish everybody heard from the Lord and all that. It's true. Here's an awesome thought, though. When we seek to reconcile broken relationships, even if it doesn't work out, we have a clean conscience because we know we did the right thing. Amen? Doesn't that feel good? And if other people don't want to go on that journey with us, well, you know, I'm sorry. I can't fix you or make you or whatever. But you know what? I can do what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. I can do what God has put into my heart to do. Several years ago, we had a conflict with a family member, and it went on for a while, and I finally said, look, guys... um, you know, I literally don't know what to do. We've had these talks and it's not working. Why don't we go sit down with a Christian counselor? You guys can even pick out the Christian counselor. I'll pay for it. And I'm willing to go as many times as we need to go. How many sessions we need to go to? We'll do it. If you'll just go and help us cross this bridge. And a very close family member in my, in my life said No we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Well, that was a great moment of relief for me. Not because that's the answer that I wanted, but I knew that I had done everything that I could do to make it right. And I went home that night and I slept really good. I slept really good. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to expect great results. We have to be positive. We have to be optimistic about it. But listen, if it doesn't work out, we can rejoice in the fact that we have a clean conscience. We've done the things that God has asked us to to do and we can move forward with our lives. And there's something that's so powerful and so liberating about that. I want you to join me in walking across this great bridge. It's a great bridge. It's the bridge of forgiveness. It's the bridge of reconciliation. It's the bridge that needs to be mended. It's the bridge that can impact so many lives. I got to tell you this. A few years ago, we we had a church member came to our church, gave her life to Christ, came to Gina and I and said, I haven't spoken to my sister in three years. We go to the same We see each other at Christmas, we stay in different rooms, it's awkward, we live in the same neighborhood, we have children the same age, we don't talk. What do I do? Well, a short time after that, she initiated contact with her sister. I don't know what was said, I don't even know what the conflict was over. All I know is, they both showed up at church really giddy one Sunday, and guess what? Her sister gave her life to Christ. It's amazing. Her, the husband, the husband of the sister gave his life to Christ. And all four of these adults sat in the same room at church every weekend. That's amazing. It's incredible. That's why we ought to expect great results. Let's don't discount what God What God can do. Man, we serve a great God. Let's cross the bridge of forgiveness and let's see what God can do in our own lives and in the lives of the people around us. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer?